God's going to do something awesome. I, I, you, you can just feel it. You can sense it. And in this, in this thing, you know, God kind of goes in waves. Like you, you come up to a new level and then you learn how to function there. You learn how to bear fruit. And then it seems like as soon as you get there and you're like, it's like, okay, come on up. And so you're always changing and you're always evolving, going from glory to glory. And you can either be in this next thing that's going to happen. You can either be a participant on the field playing, doing what you're supposed to do, or you can be a fan. You know, and, and fans, they're great as long as you're doing well. But, you know, fans can become judgmental. Like, if you're not, if it, you watch, man, boys, boys turn fast. Girls are a little less, like, you know, when sports go downhill, as soon, they become coaches immediately. What's that coach doing? Get them out of the game, you know. <laughs> what are you thinking? You know, it's like, dude, they just, they drop the ball. <laughs> it happens sometimes. You know, they get all involved. You know, fans are very, you know, this is, when it's good, yay, and when it's bad, Ooh, watch out, because fans become nasty. Or there's the last category, and nobody wants to be in this one. Those are the parking lot dwellers. Those are the ones who <laughs> came to the game to say they had somewhere to go, and they hang out in the parking lot till the game's over, doing what they want to do, what they shouldn't. And then, you know, does anybody know the score? Because I need to tell my mom, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> I need to tell my mom to score the game, so I look like I'm in the game. Tell me score and you come out. You know, not that I've been that, but <laughs> I think I was in all three categories at one time. I don't know. But this, the, you get to decide. Now, with, with, with human nature, like, if you're not good at a sport, you're probably not going to get to play on the team. But with God, we all get to play on the team. Like, there's a place for all of us. And we just get to decide, do we want to be on the team or do we want to be in the stands? Or do we want to be in the parking lot? And because God's a gentleman, he lets us decide those things. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm praying, I'm believing that you want to be on the team. That you want to be a participant. Because all the glory goes to the team players, people on the team. So, and I started this morning by... This will this will this will get you out of bed. I mean, it was four forty-five. Why God picks four forty-five? I don't know, but He loves that time with me. If He wakes me up, it, I can almost guarantee it's four forty-five or four forty-six. I mean, almost on the nose every time. And and you know, sometimes you wake up and you're like, "Oh, yay! God wants to talk to me." And sometimes you're like, "Shh." If I lay here real quiet, maybe it'll go away. And, and sometimes we roll over and sleep it off, and sometimes we get up. But today, God said, everything you want in life hinges on this moment. That will get you out of bed. <laughs> will you obey? And I'm like, oh, yes, sir. Where's my shoes? I need my robe. You know, I'm going out on the couch to get my bummers. Okay. <laughs> but I think that's the way it's supposed to be. If you think about your goals and you think about your dreams and you think about your visions, everything in you want in life hinges on this moment. Now, I don't think that's supposed to be a heavy word. It felt a little heavy this morning. I was like, I, it felt very important. It felt very important that I get out of bed at 445 and go sit 
at my table with my Bible and my journal. It felt very important. But I think it's the way it's supposed to be. And that was the word that was like, okay, I can give this word because this is what God said. You know, because he's stirring. And it's, and it, it, last year we talked about making ourselves strong and being the women that God called us to be and, not, and being immovable and stripping away the things of our flesh that didn't give God glory. And we did that. We looked at ourselves. We made exchanges. We decided that we would be teachable. We decided that we would listen. We decided that, that we would do what God asked us to do. We would be strong women who weren't swayed by their surroundings. Yes. But now it's time to build on that foundation. Now we're going to pursue our dreams. That's exciting. We're going to pursue the things that God put in front of us. What is it? That's what tonight's about. Now, in this place, it's going to be those simple steps of obedience that's the key. That's going to be the key to having your dream come true, to seeing your dream fulfilled. That every moment feels like everything in your life hinges on this moment. Will you obey? Everything in your life that you want hinges on this moment. That was such a stirring word this morning. You know, we all, there's, there's a high call that God has for each of our lives. But every high call has a price. Every high call has a price. But the yields on that price are astronomical. What you get back for it is astronomical compared to what you give. Um, in Romans eight eighteen it says, our present suffering, because normally when God tells us that he wants us to cut something away or give something up or put something down or seek him in some way, it doesn't seem comfortable to us in any way, shape, or form. We're like, mm, if I lay you real quiet, he'll go away. But it says in Romans eight eighteen, it says, Our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Or Hebrews twelve eleven it says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. When you get trained by the discipline of making every moment the hinge of your future, then you see the glory of God fulfilled in your life. So, what we're going to talk about tonight is pursuing your dreams. First, you have to have a vision. You weren't made to, to live a mundane life. You were made to participate in the miraculous. God has a plan for each of us. But if we want to pursue a plan that's God-worthy, we have to see a God that's worth trusting. So what I'm going to talk about tonight is how the scope and the impact of your vision is impacted by how you see God. You need to have a vision of God that's accurate. And the two parts, um, you have to understand that it's not about what you've done and it's not about who you are, but your dreams and your visions are based on unfailing, the unfailing character of God. And how he is um, for you 
that he is great. How many, you know, if I said, how many you think God could do and I named anything, would you raise your hand? How many, you know, yeah, whatever it is, I think, how many you think God could and you put anything in that sentence? Anything in that sentence. You'd all raise your hands. Yes, I believe God could do that. Because he's great and he's awesome. But the part that, that we lack is the compassion. Is he really willing to do that for me? Is he really able to? Is he really concerned with my affairs? Does he really know where I am? Does he really? Is he really that good? Is he really that compassionate? Is he really searching the earth with his spirit so that when we speak, he, it moves? Is that really what's happening? We have to, we know he's great. We know he's powerful, but is he good? In Psalm 62, 11 and 12, it says, I heard God say two things. I am powerful and I am very kind. The Lord rewards each of us according to what we do. See, the measure of God's abilities will always surpass your dreams. When you stand in faith and you believe, what God is able to do is always more than what you're asking. God doesn't get embarrassed. He doesn't get nervous when you pray. Oh, I wonder what they're going to, I wonder, I wonder, that, that's, that's cancer. Are we really allowed to pray for that? Can we really stand for that? I mean, that people die. That's bankruptcy. That's, are we really allowed to believe that there's life on the other side of that? You're, what you are believing God for is not bigger than who he is. The dream that he puts in your heart is not bigger than what he can fulfill. He is a big and an awesome God. There's no limit to what God can do. So if there's no limit to what God can do, is there a limit to what we can dream and pray for? No. See, we have to, if we want to dream God-worthy dreams, we have to see a God that's that big. And not only that big, that's that good. And, you know, John and I are reading that book, Sun, Sand, Still, and there's a story in it that just, it made everything make sense. And it was about a guy, it was about this, the guy who wrote the book when he was in middle school, he was in had made a bully upset with him who seemed to be like 40 times taller than he was. And, you know, and he bumped into him and the guy was like, I will kill you, you know, and, and he kept looking at his buddy, like, and his buddy was mouth and stuff at him. And he was like, surely he's saying, cause he's a really nice guy. Surely he's saying he's going to come and help me. I got your back. That's what he thought he was saying. And he kept, and he kept trying to read his mouth. And he kept trying to read his mouth. And he's like, what are you saying? He's like, stop staring at me. I'm not going to help you. <laughs> because the guy was, you know, and <laughs> like, you're on your own. He's big. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and a lot of times that's the way we see God. Why are you looking at me? I'm not going to do anything. And if we don't believe God's going to do anything, then we can't really release our faith. And he said, just at that moment, Miss So-and-so, and I don't even remember her name, walked out. And she was a teacher who had authority. Now, I understand that because I, 
I am the teacher who has authority. When I walk, and it's, it, it, it's a God-given gift. I, you know, I walk in a room and they'll go, and the te- other teacher's like, how do you do that? I'm like, I don't know. I just walk in, they shut up. You know, <laughs> you know but, but I understand it. And, you know, and I walked up on situations where it's like not good stuff's happening. And, you know, their friends are like, I'd like to help you, but I'm not. <laughs> you know, they're not going to stop it because they really don't have that kind of authority. But when I walk up, it kind of stops. And because I have authority in that place, and they know I'm going to act on that authority. I'm not going to stand there and go, yeah, well, you know, you are. <laughs> I wanted to punch you myself, so go ahead. You know, No, that doesn't happen. I, I'm, I'm not going to let that. I'm not going to let that happen. So it really made sense to me about the goodness of God. You know, not only does he have the authority, he is willing to use that authority. Not only does he have power, he's willing to use his power. Because, see, in the earth, when for God to be good and for God to be great, he's going to have to do things through you for people to see them. He gets to show off his glory in you. Because you say, God, I'm standing in this place, and I'm believing tonight, right now, that as we're praying, that that teenage lives are being touched by the word of God, by the presence of God. You know, we are calling on the power of God to move. And he's he's not intimidated by that. He's not intimidated by our prayers to stand in the gap and say, this is what we need you to do. This is our mountain-moving faith, Lord, right now. We believe that to be true. And we do. But it's the same thing for your dream and your vision. It's the same thing. So, if we want to see God's goodness... And God's greatness, we're going to have to start having a vision that incorporates that. It's no longer what you can do, but it's what God can do through you. And in Romans 8.28, it says that God all, that God, all, things, all things God works for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to get your momentary pleasures taken care of one by one because there are things that we walk through in life. But the thing that was meant to kill you, the thing that was meant to stop you, the thing that was meant to devastate you, the thing that was meant to destroy every bit of life that you have is going to be the thing that's going to be your biggest witnessing tool. Because that's your testimony. It says that we overcome by the word of the lamb and, and our testimony and the word of our testimony by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. You know, God did something awesome and, and he paid a huge price for us. The blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony. You can't tell me that God doesn't heal. You can't tell me that when you've had the best part or what you believe to be the best part of what your life was taken away, that there's not life after that. I can testify. You, can, you know, that's my testimony. That's what I know to be true. And over and over and over again, I get to use that testimony to help someone else say, 
there's life on the other side. Keep on coming. Keep on coming. Keep on doing. God can do great things in your life. Just keep on coming because if you keep going and you don't stop and you don't sit down, there's life over here. Come on. Come on. Follow my voice. Come on. Stay with me. You know, and and in those moments, you're going to see that's the goodness of God. Did he did he come down and wave a magic wand and make everything better in my life? Nope. But was I okay in the middle of it? Yep. Am I okay on the other side of it? Yep. So I can trust the goodness of God. I can trust the greatness of God. Because however it gets fixed, I'm okay. If he yanks me out of the storm or if he walks right through it with me, I'm okay. Because I know my God. I know he's not only good, but he's great. I know he's not only powerful, he's benevolent. And if you don't have a great vision of who God is, you can't believe for great things. So tonight, I'm going to encourage you, fix your vision. Now, there's three ways that this happens. And um, faith is like a muscle. You have to have faith to believe that God wants you to do great things. That takes faith. And faith is like a muscle you already have, but it's not strengthened yet. And, we, you know, we've all done workouts where we're like, oh, I didn't even know I had a muscle there, and it hurt so bad. Yeah. <laughs> I did this boot camp thing the other last night because I had to stay at the house and work out, so I found one of John's magazines, and it had a lot of these with weights. And Today I got up and thought, I'm going to die when I sit down. It's like... <laughs> If I can't get up, somebody come over and yank me because, you know, one of those like, oh, sitting down's an aerobic activity. But, <laughs> yep. But that's the way it is. I mean, if you want your muscles to grow, you have to do something to them. You have to pull on them. You have to make them work. You have to put a resistance to it for them to go, oh, yeah, we need to be bigger. We need to be stronger. We might actually need to be here. Um, And that's the way faith is. We've all been given a measure of faith. But we have to grow our faith. You know, we're not going to go out and do sun, stand, still prayers the day after we're saved. We might. But you know what I'm saying. Like that, that deep down knowing faith that says, I know that I know this is who my God is. This is what he's promised. This is what the word says. This is what I'm standing. I will not back down. That comes from practice. And there's three ways to make your faith grow. Hearing the word, speaking the word, and doing the word. Now, there's going to be lots of opportunities for you to grow your faith here in this house. You've got to do it in the house first before you do it somewhere else. You know, when you're trying in middle school, trying to learn how to do your dance moves, you, 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 you did it at home. Yeah, oh, I think I got it. Yeah. I think I got it, you know, and then you go to the dance, you'd be like, yeah, practice this one. This one's, you know, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But you do it at home because you didn't want to try it first out of the shoot at the dance because then you look like a crazy person. I think they're crazy. Like, what was that? What was that movie where they told them the ant eater? (laughs) (laughs) Stand by me, love. I forget, I forget the first part, but the last part, he went like this. 
And it was like a, <laughs> it was like a travel dance that they did for ant hills or something. But anyway, he he was learned it off the Discovery Channel. But that misguided information. But you're still going to try that at home first before <laughs> you try it at the dance. So you're going to try it out in the house. And this is the house of God. And you're going to have lots of opportunities to to step out to speak and to do the word of God in the house. Take them. You're going to have to get out of your comfort zone. Do it. You're going to have to do things that make you happy and scared all at the same time. Do it. God's got great things. God's got great things in front of you. There is a vision and a plan for your life. Starts with the small steps. Small steps of obedience. Small steps of obedience. Small steps of obedience. And then you see Okay, so first, hearing the word. That initiates your faith. How do you grow your faith by hearing the word? You saturate your mind. You, can, you become consumed with the word. You expose yourself to teaching. You make his presence a priority. Have to do that. Have to get it in. You can't stand on something you don't know. Two, speaking the word. That activates your faith. When you start to speak the word, you'll begin to activate your faith. Um, you're not going to be able to just, like, our son stands still prayer. You're not going to be able to go out and, I mean, that doesn't happen overnight. It starts by you speaking the word to your friends, by you speaking the word to your family, by you speaking the word to yourself. You're going to have to learn how to preach to yourself. When you want to sit down and, and pitch a fit, you're going to have to preach to yourself. I may have heard that tonight. <laughs> it, it happens. You know, it, if you want, you know, you're, if you don't feel like keeping going on, you're going to have to preach to yourself. If your best friend says something stupid, you're going to have to preach to them. You know, you're not, don't let them get by with saying, this is ridiculous okay, this is what God said. This is what you told me God said, and this is what you're going to do. <laughs> Take that. You know, iron sharpens iron. We're in this together. Don't let somebody fall in a ditch. I can only be so many places at once. And so you're going to have to do it. And then lastly, you have to do the word. That's a demonstration of faith. Um, it's not really faith until you do it. Like, you can talk all day long. Talk's cheap. I, I got a lot. I, seventh graders like to talk. They like to say what, yeah, well, I would have, you know, okay. You're right. Sit down. Yeah. <laughs> that dollar will get you a cup of coffee. But, <laughs> or, well, two ninety five. That and two ninety five <laughs> will get you a cup of coffee. With the old card, because it takes the syrup off. But, um, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It talks cheap. You have to step out. It says in James 2.17, Faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. When Peter's in the boat and he said, Is that you, Jesus? If it is, bid me to come. And Jesus said, Come. He said, I'm real quiet. Don't do anything, maybe I'll go away. No, he had to actually step onto the water. That took faith. 
That's a demonstration of the faith. You have to put action to your faith. Here in the house, we're going to practice that. There's going to be lots of opportunities coming up for you to practice your faith, to get involved, to do something. I need cleaners. I need painters. I need organizers. Just saying, in case that's, you forgot to let that roll around in your mind just a minute. So tonight, what I'm, basically what I'm telling you is there's going to be lots of opportunity. Everything you want your life to become hinges on this moment. That was just such a stirring word this morning. This morning, Everything in your life that you want to see happen hinges on this moment. Let me say it for real like what God said. Everything you want in life hinges on this moment. That's less wordy. Will you obey? There's going to be lots of opportunities for you to hear the word, for you to speak the word, for you to do the word. Be a participant. Be on the field. Be active. And watch God move. And when you're in the middle of that place, God's going to start instilling in you God-worthy dreams. Amen? Amen. Tonight we're going to we're going to take a quick minute and pray. I hope you've had fun and it doesn't seem like it went too long, but it did go a little long, so I apologize. Um, we're going to pray just a minute. And just the thing that I felt to pray for was if you have an incorrect vision of what God looks like, either because of hurts or because labels that people put on God or because Maybe your dad was horrible. You can say that, I think. If you don't have a relationship that says, I'm a benevolent father of God, tonight I'm going to pray that he begins to heal those places in your heart and you begin to see him for who he is because we all know the greatness of God. But tonight I want you to know the goodness of God. That thing in my life that says, whatever I need, I know I can run and jump on my daddy's lap and say, Lord, this is what I need from you tonight. This is what I need from you today. This is what I need from you at this moment. If you don't have that relationship, that's what I want for you more than anything. Because if you have that relationship with God, anything that you need, you'll go to him. Because you see that he's good and that he loves you. And he has all power and all authority and all wealth and all things available. He's your cheerleader. He's your fan. He sits right beside, the, right beside his heavenly father and he talks good things about you all the time. So if you close your eyes, I'm just going to pray. If that's you, And you want to raise your hand and say, Lord, I need my vision of you healed. I need it changed. I need to know your goodness. He can do a work. He can make all grace abound to you. There is nothing that he withholds from you. He wants that soft, tender place in your heart that makes him your first love. Your first love. Father, I thank you tonight that in this place, I thank you, Father, that you are healing visions. You're healing hearts. Father, that you are stirring in in spirits and in hearts, Lord, and in minds who you really are. I thank you, Father, that in this place, 
we see no lack in you. In this place, we see no less in you. Father, that we know the height and the depth and the width and the breadth of your love, Father, because you loved us before we were even a thought. You had a plan for us, Father, from the time we took our first breath. An audacious and exciting a miraculous plan that calls on you. I thank you, Father, that right now in this place, we just give you permission to speak. We give you permission to love. We give you permission to heal. Father, I thank you that you are doing a work. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.